It's Friday, and I'm in a mood to rant. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support. Thanks for being here. If you are watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up. Both mean a lot to the show. And because we come at you five times a week, hit that bell notification button. That way you will not miss an episode. To all of the subscribers, over 3,000 of you, thank you so very, very much. As you know, if you follow the show, Lots of you do. Uh, I typically save my my Friday rant for the final segment as we kind of head off into the sunset for the weekend. Not this week. Uh, my back hurts. And I'm in a mood. And I've been reading some really, uh, how should I say this? Some really bizarre takes on USC this, this week. Ranging from who or which program has a higher value, USC or giggle snort, Oregon. <laughs> so I'm going to spend some time talking about the fan base who easily forgot where they came from soon enough. Uh, they're also, they are one of the few teams, they're, they are members of the fan base of one of the few teams that's going to challenge uh, USC in 2023. Uh, so this team and its fan base will hear its name mentioned frequently, shortly, coming up. First, I got a rant about an article. I'm gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna kind of warm up into a rant, but um, it's gonna have that flavor throughout the show. Uh, I read an article that was throwing some shade on uh, on the Trojans 2024 commitment class, their commitment list. They're doing this on, if you're watching this episode of Locked on USC on May 12th. Think about this. USC just finished spring camp, what? Barely a month ago? And on May 12th, people are wondering, how come USC's uh, 2024 recruiting class is so disappointing? considering they're coming off an 11-win season, just narrowly missing the playoffs. That is actually very true. So let me preface this segment's rant on the date, May 12th. Barely a month out of spring camp. And a reminder to everybody, including... (laughs) the author of the article that I'm referencing. The early signing period in football starts on December 20th. It runs through December 22nd. We've got a while to go. I mean, USC, the staff, the assistant coaches, they've been hitting the high school circuit. They're making cameos, finding out how things are going, talking to coaches, getting the lowdown. Here's what you need to understand. Things start heating up 
with USC's recruiting in June. It was official visits. And those uh, those recruiting bashes, you know, the USC has two recruiting weekends they're going to hold in June. First weekend, June 2nd, and then another one two weeks later, uh, June 16th through the 18th. Those bashes tend to go uh, uh, super bad. Big time parties with lots of uh, who's who attending. So would it look better if Lincoln Riley uh, had seven or eight commitments? Sure, without a doubt, if you're into those optics. I, I think it's great that USC is back and they're being compared to the better programs over the last you know, 10 years or so, Georgia, Ohio State. So yes, you know the Trojans are in the running for some of the top players in the country, but they're not getting the verbal commitments yet that Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, uh, that those programs are getting. Uh, you know what else those those programs have in common? They've all been in the playoffs a lot recently. USC hasn't. Yet you're holding USC to that standard. So is it fair to anticipate the same recruiting results after one, after a one-year sample size of what Lincoln Riley was able to do? Yes, four wins to 11 wins. And as I said, they narrowly missed the playoffs. Is it fair to call USC's 2024 class on May 12th underwhelming? I guess it is. I mean, heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? USC hasn't worn it recently, but it still fits. Look, there is so much nuisance. There is so much nuance. A lot of nuisance too. Uh, a lot of nuisance. Nuance. <laughs> I told you I'm in a mood. I got a lot of stuff going on in my head right now. That's uh, involved with recruiting. Uh, and in today's recruiting world, you add that with the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. A lot going on with recruiting. For instance, what if, you know, if you're saying, how come USC only has, what, four commits uh, compared to these other programs? Well, let me throw a little nuance. Not saying this is the case, but what if? What if other recruits, you know, are ready to commit? to USC, but, you know, they were asked to, you know, hey, do me a favor, stand on the other side of the velvet rope for right now. Um, we'll let you know when it's your turn to make the announcement. Like I said, I'm not saying that's the case, but if Lincoln Riley and everybody wants the best of the best and, uh, you know, a lower ranked, lower rated recruit is ready to commit, Sometimes, you know, the harsh realities start to smack that 16, 17, 18-year-old face real fast. It's harsh realities of, of recruiting, especially today. Look, I'm sure USC would love to get a commitment from... Here's another example. Uh, I've, I've mentioned his name a couple times this week. Emmanuel Okoye. Uh, freaky looking athlete, six foot five, 
250-ish, whatever it is. He's at the NFL Academy over there in Great Britain. Well, if you have taken advantage of the subscription special over there at WeRC.com, you would have learned that there could possibly be some academic hurdles. And it's not looking like USC could be his destination right off the bat. So again, a lot of nuance, a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes uh, that you have to take you have to take into consideration. And you know, here's when here's when USC fans, recruiting fans, should start feeling their palms getting moist, starting to sweat. How about at the end of June, following those two recruiting bashes that include many of those top athletes that those aforementioned programs I spoke about that are also recruiting. I mean, if the Trojans are still standing in the starting blocks at the end of June, then you can come at me. But not on May 12th. Not with a transfer portal and the recruiting game, the recruiting game looking more and more like NFL free agency. It's changing. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just taking a more pragmatic approach to it. Um, and like I said, I, I learned that a verbal commitment in the hand today doesn't mean a whole lot come December early signing period. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all that sugar and calories? Then you need to try the best tasting protein bar on the market from Built. You got to try these things. I'm telling you, you like me, you want to try and be healthier, but you don't like the compromised taste, go check out these Built Bars. They're healthy, but they taste amazing. And what makes Built Bars so good is number one, they come in these really ridiculous, good, great flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie. And I think this is my favorite, cookies and cream. And what's even better, they're healthy. They only have 130 calories. They only come with four grams of sugar, and you're going to get a seven, whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't need to wait around to get a box. You don't have to order them online. Go to Sam's Club. Go to Walmart. That's how fast you can get them. If you're near Walmart, you got to go by, you got to go back near the pharmacy section, and you can pick up a four-bar box of their cookies and cream, their double chocolate bar, or if you like coconut, get their coconut puff. And if you're near Sam's Club, they've got their 13-bar box of their brownie batter puff and their churro puff. Tell me what you think about them, and you can thank me later. All right. Now that we're warmed up, let's ease on into this. Um, Oregon, they're going to be a challenge for USC in Eugene in November this season. Excuse me for a moment. So, let me let me just say this. If the Oregon Ducks are not 5 and 0, 5 and 0, undefeated heading into their bye week, one week ahead of their rivalry game with Washington, then second-year head coach Dan Lanning will be on the hot seat, period. Look, there's a lot of differences between USC 
and Oregon. A lot. Let's start with the out-of-conference scheduling. There's nothing wrong with scheduling Texas Tech on the road. Golf clap, Oregon. But that game is sandwiched between your home, first home game of the season, your first game of the year against Portland State. And then after you return home from Texas Tech, you're going to take on the powerhouse of Hawaii. And then you get back-to-back -back games with Colorado and Stanford before your bye week. Like I said, that is Charmin Soft. That is Powder Puff Soft. Anyways, moving forward. Um, much like USC schedule, Oregon's schedule will definitely tighten up in the second half. Um, October is their rough point. Uh, they're at Washington. They host Washington State at Utah. Yeah. So, as I just said, the, the Ducks month of October is going to be brutal. Now, the good news for Oregon, you got Bo Nix returning to play quarterback for his 18th season. I kid. If he has the opportunity, if I had the opportunity to stay in college and play at that level, I'd probably do it too. So you've got uh, you've got Bo Nix returning. Here's the thing, though. He's going to need to stay mobile and upright be, uh, because the O-line that only gave up five sacks last year, they're gone. Oregon's replacing four starters on their offensive line this year. So behind Grandpa Nix playing quarterback is uh, former five-star Ty Thompson, who's still waiting to break out. Um, but both quarterbacks, as well as their entire offensive room, um, is still in the honeymoon phase with their new offensive coordinator that's taken over this season. Uh, his name is Will Stein. He came over from the University of Texas, San Antonio. Fast-paced offense. That's all you need to know. Uh, they're going to have a pretty strong running game. USC fans, you didn't get to, you didn't have to play against him last year. You will have to defend him this year. I watched a little bit of him. His name is Bucky Irving. 5'10", roughly 200 pounds. Dude is a tough, hard-nosed runner. Hard to bring down. And we know tackling at USC last year was not good. You need to tackle this guy. Uh, he came over from the University of Minnesota. Yeah, I said it just like that. Minnesota. Oh, you betcha. So uh, he had over 1,000 yards. You're going to have to stop him. And then also remember a couple other names from in their running back room, uh, Jordan James and Noah Winnington. Jordan James is the bigger of the two. Now, they're going to have some wide receivers to throw to, um, and one of them could be former Trojan, Recent graduate, congratulations, Gary Bryant Jr. Very good chance he's going to end up being an Oregon Duck. He's going to join a wide receiver group that includes Chris Hudson, went to St. John Bosco, uh, Speedy, slot guy, uh, can cause some problems, Troy Franklin, deep threat, and then uh, 
Alabama transfer, Treshawn Holden. If you follow recruiting, you might remember he was a. He came out to the West Coast, played at what was it Narbonne for a year, high school. When you get, he was uh, like Seven McGee. Well, Seven McGee transferred from Oregon. My point being, when you have players like this in high school who travel coast to coast to play, um, they don't have a lot of roots, and those type of players get up and pick up and leave often. Not saying you're going to have an issue with Treshawn Holden, but you know why would you leave Alabama to go to Oregon? Just saying. I think um, so. They have they have some really nice wide receivers to work with, uh, but that program also saw like three or four wide receivers bail out of town. Now, offensively, uh, I think they're going to put up some points at home. But will they be able to keep up with USC? Defensively, they weren't great last year. I'm talking about Oregon, they were still better than USC. You know, they weren't outstanding. Not what you're accustomed to from recently from Oregon. And especially with Lanning being a defensive-minded coach. But, you know, just like SE is focused on the transfer portal to fix their areas of concern, so is Oregon. <coughs> Excuse me. In fact, um, the Ducks have gone, kind of gone portal crazy uh, with players leaving. So... You know, I, I think mostly is because Dane Landing wants to bring in his own guys. Uh, a lot of the Mario Cristobal guys that he brought in, it happened with when Lincoln Riley took over the USC program. This type of stuff happens. You're trying to change the culture. So post-spring, uh, lots of questions with, uh, with the Ducks roster, at least I have questions. I, I'm going to have to get more familiar with it. And, you know, see who's developing as their offensive line, who's going to start an offensive line on defense, uh, see how that comes together. So I think Oregon, they're definitely going to challenge USC. It'll be later in the year. It's going to be in November. Uh, but are they going to challenge them as a spoiler? As I mentioned, Oregon's October schedule is brutal or are they going to be a contender we'll find out so here's what you need to know if you're going to make this road trip if usc can get ahead on the scoreboard Autzen stadium loses its charm and its volume it can get loud i was up there the last time i went to a game up there was uh the year carson palmer broke his collarbone. So what I will say is Oregon Ducks fan, they're, uh, they're passionate, finger quotes. I'd probably characterize them more as belligerent. Look, I'm, I'm actually getting into my next segment here very momentarily. Most of Oregon Duck fans are great. But a lot are, uh, that's coming up, like I said, my end of the week rant coming up. So I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been reading a lot of some really weird 
bizarre stuff this week. I love the internet. And I love other fan bases even more. I'm a fan. I appreciate other fan bases. But I also appreciate common sense. I appreciate... Um, being able to take off the rose-colored glasses, so to speak. So when it comes to the five stages of grief, I think Oregon Duck fan is still in the denial stage. Just going to say it. Putting it out there. Uh, they still can't believe or accept the fact that USC and UCLA, to a lesser degree, um, do not need the Pac-12 or Oregon, for that matter. <laughs> and the big conference had no illusions whatsoever of inviting Oregon to join USC and UCLA. I mean, a large segment of that fan base, I, 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 I think I truly believe this. I think they believe Steve Harvey is going to show up at their doorstep with that giant publisher's clearinghouse check of, you know, financial security, an invitation to the big conference. So, dear Lord, I'm praying, I'm asking the question, was the state of Oregon, where the Duck fan base dropped on their collective head at birth, Semi-serious question. Look, I get it. Internet internet duck fan can't remember the days of Dan Fouts and Ahmad Rashad and those Donald Duck helmets. But I mean for all that is holy, try. Duck fans, please try and pretend that that gray matter between your ears is functional? Yes. I mean, you guys have more wardrobe changes than most most fashion models. And yes, you have a really rich fashion designer. And yes, your best years happened when Pete Carroll left USC. And you guys had a you know a few solid seasons mixed in during that ten years prior to Pete Carroll arriving at USC, but that's it. You have a basically a thirty year window of being relative on the national stage, and during that same time span that I'm giving you guys a little bit of credit, USC has still done more. And remember, we're talking about a down cycle for USC. They have more Heismans. You guys had one. Well, we know how many USC has. They just added another one to match your one. Expect more coming soon. They've got more Rose Bowl wins. They got more everything, including more value. Yes. There are actually adults in Oregon who follow the Ducks that truly believe the following. I'm going to read you something. Quote, 
I'm not sure how Oregon's administration would allow their team to jump to the big conference for anything less than what USC and UCLA was given, or any other team for that matter. It would be hard to swallow the pride on that one. They add more value as a brand and more viewership than either USC or UCLA. Would you rather... (laughs) Would you rather have more value in a Ryan Leaf rookie card over a Peyton Manning rookie card just because the Leaf card came from someone living in Los Angeles? There's way too much stock put into the LA area. They literally probably have the least and worst sports fans per capita of any other market, especially comparing college football, end quote. I mean, I'm not even sure where to start with that soliloquy. We can start with the more value as a brand than the two most iconic institutions in the world. We can start there and start laughing. Or we can start with the person's Ryan Leaf's rookie card analogy. I, I have no idea where that person was going with that one. But someone in that person's family, at that point, if they saw or read that, or if they're hearing about it now, they need to call in for a health and welfare check because something is off with that person up here. Then again, here's another example of the same type of thought process. Quote, it's more that you... SC and UC, it's more that USC and UCLA need us more than the Big Ten needs us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that person is just bitter. Although I will say, at least they're transitioning from into the anger stage from denial. But I would still check for a big bump on his or her head, nonetheless. Listen. Oregon Duck fan, stop trying to be six foot five and looking like a, you know, a number one draft pick. You're never going to be six foot five and good luck trying to look like USC. You're five foot five on your best day, standing on your tippy toes saying, look at me. That's who you are, Oregon. USC and UCLA have moved on to a whole new pond to dominate. So here's what I would suggest, Oregon and Oregon Duck fan. I'd suggest a stronger out-of-conference schedule, especially if you want a shot at an at-large bid for the playoffs. Or ask the Big 12 if they have any openings. I mean, they should be jumping for your value, right? That's it. That's my rant. Oregon fan, check yourself. My back hurts. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be that mean. But that is another episode of Locked on USC in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. I did, kind of, sort of. But I will be back with another five epi- another docket of five episodes next week. I will continue with a rant at the end of the week. 
We will continue with the, who's going to challenge USC? There's still some teams left. They might not challenge USC, but we got to go over them post-spring. And a whole bunch more. I'll have some recruiting information for you because there's always recruiting information coming along. So, everyone, have a great weekend. Thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. When you're done listening to me, head on over to wersc.com. Check it out. We've got a lot of good stuff for you over there. So, until then, everyone, you know what to do.